Yeah. Houston, we definitely have a pro. Of- <laughs> There's, there's gotta be some like dork podcast that exists. That's like Houston. We have a podcast. Oh yeah, baby. Now it's us. We are them dorks. Hello. <laughs> Hi, Hello. It's us. Hi, Kenny Stevenson. Alex Enriquez. How are you? And welcome to fan controlled fandom where we are definitely Houston's problem. I don't know what we did to the city of Houston, but I'm, let's just say right now, I'm just want to make it well known. Houston can just eat it as far as I'm yeah. concerned. Just, yeah, yeah. just eat it. And they do. Houston does. It's very, it's a very, a lot of great food there and specifically alderman uh, abernathy uh it, you know and from the city council it, you know huff my huff my jorts man huff my jorts that let's put that on a t-shirt and smoke it um what, <laughs> 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 good lord you are actually not listening to the ramblings of two just blabbering idiots this is fan controlled fandom this is which the is the the random utterings and blabberings of two uh, idiots two idiots uh, <laughs> but about something about, we have a topic yeah, we're not just like randomly you know sh- dumping on houston uh this is about the cape space baby this is about People who wear capes in your content, so Star Wars, Marvel, uh, if we're in like a fantasy realm where there's like dragons and swords, they all wear capes. If you're doing any sort of multiversal travel like we will today, you you got a cape on, baby. (laughs) Everything all the time, make it stop. My favorite movie ever of all time. (laughs) Yes, as this is the Oscar week, we are going to take a week off of Mando. We'll pick up next week and uh, listen to episodes. To, oh, listen to, geez, you guys will listen to while we watch with our, we listen with our eyes to, to Mando's we, episode two and three next week. We take a, we take an eye listen to to Mando to Manda Malorian. Manda Malorian. But this week, because the Oscars are this weekend, we are going to be talking about uh, everything, everywhere, all at once. Uh, which is one of the contenders to win Best Picture, and it's not has the most nominations. It's going to win awards, at least some one, one or two acting awards. Hopefully, we'll see. And that's what we're going to talk about. But first, Alex and I, we got to talk about the quick pieces of nerd news, and this is where we point to the sky and play the stinger. Quick, quick, quick yeah, baby. I can hear it in my head every time. Every time it just sounds like me screaming into my ear, which is exactly what we were intending for when we made it. Um, and when and when he says we, he means he. I had nothing to do with it. Yeah. I'm just the beneficiary of his genius. Well, you know, I say we because I do have some mental illness. Anyway, we don't want to shame okay. anyone with mental illness. I'll take that back in a heartbeat. There we go. Done. Uh, John Barenthal who some people know from Walking Dead, but is also known as the Punisher. And it was revealed yesterday and then confirmed by Barenthal today that he will be returning, officially making his MCU debut as Frank Castle, the Punisher in Daredevil Born Again. Alex, reaction. I am a big fan of his take. Uh, yes. I didn't watch his. I didn't watch his series on Netflix because still the Punisher, just like Venom, is one of those characters. I just, I, I guess I don't like characters in black and white motif. Uh, you know, sure. but I, I, it was you know not one of those characters is my favorite. But I, I, th- I think for the first time, what I saw on the screen was somebody's take. Like, oh, what's what's the man behind the man? Not just this unfeeling force of vengeance. Like, there's got to be some inner turmoil there. 
to to animate that. And I think he, as a as an alum of the American Repertory Theater at Harvard, uh, oh, wow. as is my as is my wife, um, uh, wow. you know, he he has a very deep well of kind of acting bit he can he can grab from. And I'm I'm more than happy to have him come back. Let's do it, baby. Yeah, I think yeah, I liked his take. I also did not see his solo show only because like. By the time I think Punisher was out, I think at that point I had a child and it, to then dedicate 13 hours of dedicated solo viewing time, Sans wife is damn near impossible. And that's what those Netflix shows were doing. They were doing like yeah. 15 episodes as opposed to like, now they're like, we'll maybe give you five. Like now they're like, it's a movie, but can you draw it out a little bit? <laughs> yeah, I see th- this Nef- the Daredevil show is going to be 18 episodes. I, I would I would also think that as a as a father sitting down and dedicating that much time to a man who's who's uh, animated by the brutal loss of his family might be like uh, no thanks. I'm actually like not one of those dads who's like oh I can't watch like a child being murdered. I love seeing children being murdered, but no. Um, oh yum 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 can't yeah, get enough. But like I'm not I I if anything I've become like 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 more dead inside. Like I used to get scared by scary movies and now I just don't at all. Like I've, I watch scary movies now and in theaters and people like scream and I'm just like, yeah, that's happening. Anyway. um, (laughs) None of you know what real stakes are. Yeah. You guys, yeah. Have a kid. And then we'll talk about whether you should be concerned about this person who's stuck in their room. Anyway. um, Yeah. I loved uh, Barenthal's take on Frank Castle. He is kind of like, you know, he's like the ultimate, street level character in terms of like uh you know he doesn't have any superpowers he is like a green beret i think is that's or navy seal he's one of those like special forces people in his i would i would guess green beret probably at that point he's introduced in like the early 70s uh they might have even just said at that point uh the reverence for the special forces wasn't as high at that point i would guess that even in his like original you like issue his introduction issue it's like former marine frank castle yeah, <laughs> sure, yeah a regular yeah. regular grunt dude and Which I'm just, totally like, the okay with because i'm not killing. a huge not a huge fan of the military industrial complex anyway but still um yeah I it just, gives me I, a complex is what it does hey oh i yeah I, I thought he was great on the show i think he's great for this show like i think like uh, putting frank castle in a daredevil show can sometimes get a little bit of like a lift like there was a couple times during it's during the second season of daredevil when he first shows up that it becomes kind of be a little bit too much and so i'm a little bit of like concern because we already have kingpin coming back we already are reintroducing daredevil but it's probably not going to be like a full arc it's an 18 episode season i'm sure he's just going to be in like half of them but i do like that we are getting more and more street level people because i've said on this podcast many times we need people if everyone's going to fight at secret wars <laughs> Yeah, we need a and and also just because ever since my first interaction with a comic book, I was like, "Hey, give me the one that has the most characters on the cover." You know, yeah. I I love a big mash 'em up where this guy from this and that person from that they get together and they're fighting and like that's that 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 this phase of the Marvel universe has been punctuated with that so much has been my greatest joy. So yeah. I, 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 I'm, you know, I, I'm, a, I agree with you that building out these different aspects and kind of verticals, it also, you know, it, it, uh, we're in this world where there's a lot of talk about the crunch that's put on the effects artists of the big Guga pieces like infinity war that, mm-hmm. you know, 
Daredevil seems like a win-win. We get we get our cotton candy, and you know some some wrists get a break. Yeah, because they. Were I didn't definitely... mean to. Say, I didn't mean to say that derisively. I re- really mean to say that there is. <laughs> I would hope that these are opportunities for visual effects artists to be compensated in terms of money and rest. Yeah, that's same, 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 same. Um, I do help that, uh, yeah, the Punisher is always like, you know, I remember as a kid, I actually did read a lot of Punisher, which I probably shouldn't have been reading, but my parents weren't policing my uh, uh, comic book intake. But I will say that he's kind of an interesting character now. I would be interested to see if there would be any sort of like, you know, take on gun violence or something. There is definitely a lot to mine there. But I would be interested because, you know, and when he was originally, it was just like vengeance. He's got a lot of guns and he kills people and he's above the law. But like, that's kind of like, that's what gets those are that that like that breakdown of a person is is kind of a different type of person nowadays, you know. So I be interested yeah. to see that if there's some sort of handling because I, you know, a lot of these dudes are lone wolves and yada yada. And that's kind of where we are with this. And I'm kind of dancing around it, but fill in the blanks yourselves, guys. I I think and that, gals, um, whatever, not all folks. Everybody listening, please uh, do the math. Is what yeah. he's trying to say. Uh, well, Punisher winds up being one of those characters, unfortunately, in American culture, who he will always be a, a, a cipher for American uh, culture and the zeitgeist in the same way that like Lex Luthor is always changing jobs to suit what's going on and including one at one time being a a Donald Trump figure in the eighties, but the Punisher has always had a new war to be a distressed veteran of, I'd be willing to bet that original, that original issue is him for, he's like Korean war veteran, Frank Castle, (laughs) and then Vietnam veteran, Frank Castle, and then Iraq, you know, desert storm veteran, Frank Castle, you just keep get to keep resetting That's, the conflict know, that this man was was ultimately you know you know not was broken by and then truly destroyed by the the brutal brutal murderers. And I, if I recall correctly, I do believe that's what that was kind of a take they took. They kind of lean into his PTSD and you know the 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 story of the way that that veterans are completely ignored in this country, which is a very valid and very interesting take that i will take any light on it absolutely that which is the one of the values that i think these sort of more puffy like it's a comic book show you know it can shine a light on this issue that because we it's because frankly the two conflicts the conflicts we've been involved in for the last 20 years have been a suicide mill for veterans we need to be reminded of that every day Mm -hmm. preach um, speaking of preaching, Nicolas Cage, um, he's one of our greatest living heroes. He's one a of treasure, our... a treasure, truly significant enough to only be sought by himself in a movie. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> that's extremely accurate. Uh, Nicolas Cage recently accepted the Variety Legend and Groundbreaker Award at the Miami Film Festival Sunday night. And he was asked if he'd ever want to be in the MCU. Nick Cage merely said, and I'll do it as Nick Cage, I don't need to be in the MCU. I'm Nick Cage. The, yes. Yes. The man, by the way, the man who named himself after Luke Cage. That's what he yeah. says. He says, I've got to be nice about Marvel movies because I named myself after a Stan Lee character named Luke Cage. What am I going to do? Put Marvel movies down? Stan Lee is my surrealistic father. He named me. <laughs> <laughs> I understand what the frustration is. I get it. But I think there's plenty of room for everybody. I'm seeing movies like Tar, which 
that movie rules. Anyway, I'm seeing all kinds of artistic and independently driven movies. I think there's plenty of room for everybody. Nick Cage will be in the MCU if they they get the checkbook out. He'll do it. I'm not really. Oh, yeah. I'm Dude. not really freaking worried about that. And he, by the way, he's he's saying this as if he didn't play Ghost Rider two fucking times. Pardon me. Oh, and like but... and his like at his best, like that. I'm Johnny Blaze. That's like this is my character that I want to play. La di da, Nick. Um, I, I think. <laughs> I used to th- oh, so follow me here. I used to I'm think here. if I could Where if I could switch if I could switch careers with any celebrity, mm-hmm. I'd switch careers with Jimmy Buffett. Follow oh. me here. Whoa, okay. World famous, billionaire rich. Okay. Could walk into any restaurant on Melrose and be completely unrecognized. Has has a very high high level of anonymity but also on demand can go out and be like cheeseburger and like a billion people go yes yes it's it's fulfilling us and play arguably some of the worst music ever put on records you know what as me if you think i'm wrong fight me you're not wrong because listen to a, a song called math sucks uh but i i uh i but come monday is a brilliant song I, that I love, but you're right. But that, that it would fulfill everything that I want as a creator that like you get to create un, un like completely, you know, unburdened, you get to perform for the masses and get that adulation. You're super rich and completely anonymous almost. But I think I want to switch with Nicolas Cage because I'd have an Oscar and yeah. I would literally come back from the dead. I know you, you could, the man operates on a different wavelength, baby. I got to tell you, I'll tell this story really quick and then we'll keep moving on. I being working at Sony, I occasionally get some cool little perks. One of them, they were doing a test screening of ghost rider spirit of vengeance. That's the second one. And there was like almost no visual effects had been done. So there was a lot of times where it was like, there'd be like a little note in the corner that would say like lightning strike here. But one of the, one of the benefits is this didn't happen in the first one. And, but in the second one, Nicholas Cage did all when, every time there's like the flaming uh, skull head, that was Nicholas Cage. And he's wearing like, not only does he have to have the dot. So he has a little weird thing on his head. That's like a tea koozie. That's got a bunch of dots on it. And then he did this himself. I found out later on because it was this kind of acting that he invented called Nouveau Shamanique. But he basically had his face painted white and then black circles around his eyes like a skull because he was doing this like shaman channeling or something. So I got to watch Nicolas Cage pretend to be a skull with his face painted black and white with like a tikuzi on his head with a bunch of dots for the mocap. And it's one of the greatest things I've ever seen in my entire life. It was absolutely incredible and nobody else has seen it. And it was just like, I just feel like if nothing else happens in my life, I still have that, you know? Fucking Nick Cage is one COVID immunization away from being Aaron Rodgers. What a <laughs> top shelf weirdo. Yeah. I love it. So, New, look nouveau it up. Shamanique. Look it up. He talks about it during interviews. It's, it's absolutely incredible. Um, that sounds like a performing name that two women would adopt to go on a local access show and dance. Yeah, and he's all like, "Oh, uh, it's nouveau shamanique," and I'm, it's, I'm tap. He would, I had like a, like a, uh, he had like a, a chicken foot in his, in his pocket to channel. It's just so weird. Anyway, here, here to dance the rumba on stairway to stardom, we've got nouveau and shamanique. 
these two ginger girls from Long Island who are <laughs> doing like oh my god that's amazing it's like Bette Midler and Shelley Long Holy uh, Christ, Kenny! There we Grand go. Grand slam. Here we go. Let's uh, dip Jesus. in this. Let's Con- dip. You know, congratulations to you, Kenny. And congratulations to you, the listener, for hearing it. You're welcome, everybody. I, t- I try to do what I can. Speaking of trying to do what you can or not do what you not can do, that made no sense. Mm. Uh, we've talked in the past about the number of Star Wars movies that are in development and how we are not getting any of these Star Wars movies. It was just announced. We were given updates on three of them. One of them is the Patty Jenkins movie, uh, Rogue Squadron. That movie is now uh, permanently shelved. Uh, mm. Another one we were talking about in the past is the Kevin Feige, um, Michael Waldron written. Kevin Feige produced Michael Waldron, who wrote um, Loki and uh, Multiverse of Madness. Uh, their their project has now been shelved. So now we have two Star Wars movies that have been shelved. We still don't know when there's going to be another Star Wars movie coming out. I believe at this point we still just have the we have the Damon Lindelof uh, movie, and we have the Taika Waititi produced and written and directed Star Wars movie that we got an update on, and apparently that movie is still happening. And Taika Waititi wants to star in the movie. There we go. Which leads me to believe that possibly it's about. Yeah, it leads me to believe that it's possibly going to be like a story about his uh, his little droid guy, IG fifteen eight B GQ four. I'm I, yeah, let's do it, man. I, I I'm I'm there for it. That's that would be incredible. I think the guy that gave us Jojo Rabbit is capable of making a sensible and heartwarming uh, robot movie. Yeah, do, do what is the fact that there's been so many films that get announced and then don't happen is this do we do what does this do for you? Like I know we're enjoying uh Mandalorian and we loved Andor and but do you want to see Star Wars back on the big screen because we still don't have any sort of date as to when we're going to see anything Star Wars related in a movie theater? Yeah, I'll see it on the big screen. I don't give a crap. I'll take what I can get. It's fun again. Let's do it. Like, um, but do you, do you think it's going to happen? I don't know if these movies keep getting canceled. You know, whether or not it's going to happen, I think there's action on it because the the action we're seeing right now is due to Patty Jenkins' star being a little on the decline, oh. and Taika Waititi's star being on the ascendance relative. And I've always been of a mind that studios will lock up talent with the added benefit you know whether or not they get something usable out of the talent the added benefit is that it's less time that that person can devote to the comp the competition you know yeah that's a good point the more the more he's working on what we do in the shadows and thor 15 and star wars 12 the less he's got for you know our flag means death that suffers that in that impedes hbo max as a platform it's all bits and pieces but i i've i've thought that for a long time that that one one of the commodities you're dealing with there is time devoted to a competitor yeah i mean i in disney that sounds like a real hardcore disney move too like we don't really care if you actually make something just so as you're not making something for somebody else like yep. that's 
That's that's a that just that's a that's a real Mickey Mouse vibe right there. Hey, all right. I mean, the look, the 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 bottom line thing has kind of always been time, but in this new digital era, especially, like they, you know, I've heard it said that Netflix is competing with Warner Brothers as much as they are with Fortnite because it's about the real estate of the eye time, the mind, whatever they yeah. can do to keep you locked on their whatever they've got on the pipe. Well, yeah, I mean, that's to speak about our, uh, you know, beloved parent company here, fan controlled sports entertainment. I mean, they exist as a property on Twitch. Most of their first whole season was on Twitch and uh, Twitch exclusively. And second season of the fan control football was on Twitch as well. And the, the way that eyeballs work on those platforms is different than like, here's my, here's my ticket. I'm going to go sit in this room in this big room with a bunch of people for two and a half hours. I'm not going to go anywhere. Whereas a Twitch, you're like, I'm on here. I'm chatting. I've got a side uh, stream that I'm doing where I'm talking about your stream. And it's the way that people interact with content is so different as two people in their forties are telling a bunch of kids who are listening to this. Hey, look, I, (laughs) yeah, I, I, I am very much, I'm very much a, when I have time to myself, I'm playing a video game on my TV while I'm watching a TV show on my iPad. And when the big video game is loading, I'm on my phone playing Vampire Survivor or whatever. Yeah, we're definitely at like adult, adult attention deficit disorder is real. Um, Speaking of something that's actually happening, whether we don't want it to happen or not, I have no James Gunn news this week, so... I mean, take a week off, my friend. You've earned it. That that feels to me like he's actually in danger and we need to rescue him. Maybe Dwayne The yeah. Rock Johnson finally caught up with him because like, not a day goes by that I don't hear something about this. I know, but our, Dwayne, our friend... Dwayne The Rock Johnson is and, and Danny The Rock Garcia are well into <laughs> the uh, to the, the XFL, baby. Week, week three, great week three. Week two was definitely a stumbling block, but week three, we pulled it together and got some actual football. Um... No, so but there is news coming out of the DC, which is a movie that you and I have said unequivocally we are not going to watch on this show, but we'll cover it because it's still quote unquote news, which is that the Joker 2 folly ado or whatever they're calling it um, is now officially shooting. It was shooting in downtown LA just this week. They, they have actual shots of Joaquin Phoenix and Joker makeup walking around and Firing up the incels. Uh, cool. Um, yep. Good. Yeah, uh, that's if, my, my if, take as well. If people continue to not, quote unquote, get the joke, is it actually a joke? More, well, on, more on that at 11. Are you, are you, it's why so serious? Um, oh, hey, I know how I got these scars. <laughs> uh, an, an incel uh, took his frustrations out on a room full of people that I happen to be in. Yeah, that's how I got my scars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If anything, I just wanted to put this on here just to reiterate the fact that it's it is so unbelievably tone deaf that like if anything, I would say James Gunn is like forced to make this movie because the first one made so much freaking money that they're just like and an Oscar. I would. Here's the thing. So I that would... is like we're gonna talk about Oscars later. It is still so unbelievably to me that. Not only did it win an Oscar, just like every possible award, they were like, "Yep, Joaquin Phoenix. That's that's the best. That's the best acting I've seen all year by a male presenting person." Like, get out of here. I just like, I'm like, 
I'm so offended by the entire Joker philosophy slash aesthetic, independent of how it reflects with things in the real world. Like, you know, you see all these memes of people who don't have a lot else going on in their life who like, you know, tattoo their face and dye their hair <laughs> go, green and go to and, the go to the neighborhood in the Bronx so they could take pictures of themselves walking on the Joker steps like holy. and and post brooding fo- and like the embracing of like these aren't people that are fleeing to nihilism as a philosophy that speaks to them they're fleeing to a comic book man this is like the closest thing that we can must you know if people were embracing nihilism that's at least something maybe we could get like some something revolutionary out of that but it's just idiots going yeah purple and green look really good together but people never wear it you know like yeah. uh, i yeah i can we move on from the joker please sure let's move on but right no now more. we're done with the quick hits that was quick Thank hits you. now as I, I mentioned we are on the uh, fan controlled sports entertainment podcast network the fan controlled tv podcast feed Every week, we give you one piece of sports news which from Alex and I. Alex usually takes us to the paddock in Formula One racing, which I'm assuming that's where we're going again, baby. Well, indeed, because this past week uh, was the first Grand Prix of the season. In uh, rain. I knew this. And, I and, knew uh, this. I, the, uh, on behalf of fan-controlled fandom, I would like to extend a congratulations to uh, inaugural race winner and uh, back-to-back two-time world champion, Max Verstappen, who uh, by all accounts is on a clear path to a third championship. Now, I would also like to extend an official and even heartier congratulations to other two-time Formula One World Championship winner, Fernando Alonso, who from seemingly out of nowhere was able to podium for the first time in quite a while, Um, perhaps all part of El Plan, perhaps. (laughs) (laughs) Back to you, Kenny. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, maybe El Plan. I love it. That was he. That means the plan in English. Um. So for my piece of sports news, I I'm not going to give the rundown of all the things that I that I follow. But you know, just Lakers Arsenal. Everyone's doing great. I'm going to talk about last night at the Laker game, in which the Lakers um defeated the Memphis Grizzlies and now find themselves all the way back up to nine after starting two and ten. Uh, but last night they specifically retired. They added the twelfth jersey on the wall of fame over there at the uh, the old Crypto.com arena as Pau Gasol, mm. one of my personal favorite Lakers, uh, number 16, went up into the rafters next to Kobe's 8 and 24. Uh, Pau is just easily uh, first ballot Hall of Famer. He's probably one of the best European players uh, ever to play the game. As a Laker, I just I always really enjoyed not just how he was as a player, but who he was as a man. And it was really, really cool to see a seven-foot-tall, 42-year-old man cry at the sight of something because most men in sports aren't told to tap into their emotions at all. So it was really nice and refreshing to see uh, vulnerability and just a really wonderful human being uh, be honored like that last night. I loved it. Well, he is a European, and uh, and he is actually first ballot Hall of Famer amongst guys who their name makes you go, where's he from? Spain? Yeah. yeah. You look yeah. at him and that's the thing about people. People don't really get about the Spains, the uh, the Spains, the Spanish, the Argentinians. Like uh, Alex and I have a, a good friend who is 100% Argentinian, uh, Paula. And uh, 
she could walk into a room and pass for white and she's very passing, but she is a hundred percent. She's like, she's a Latina. She's a hundred. She was born in Argentina. Oh no, and, man. Uh, I, I'm, I'm purely talking about the name Pau Gasol. You're like, what, where I, I don't I know, but then know you where see I would him, put you that see this name. Paul seven foot white guy. He is basically white, but when you no, 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 he is, he is Pau Gasol. He is Latino. He is Spanish. He is from Spain. And uh, he's just the greatest. And I feel like I'm digging myself into a hole I should not get into. So we're just going to stop it there. <laughs> <laughs> I love Pow. He's one of my favorites. I just found a shirt at a thrift store in Phoenix that was like a picture of Pow and his brother. And it says Gasol Brothers. And I'm like, great. I'm buying this T-shirt. And I'm very happy about it. Um, Alex. Pau Gasol. You've been pounding the pavement as you always do. Um, who is our corporate underwriter and our sponsor for the show this week? Well, again, I have a bit of a, a controversial uh, corporate underwriter, but hey, you know, let's I, take I them. let's take them. We 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 are open to everybody here, and so our, our sponsor this week, our cor- corporate underwriter writer is a uh, Tugger's Cove PCH. Uh, yeah. It's it's an all happy ending spa. <laughs> so at Tugger's Cove, they want you to come in and. Dot, dot, dot. You know what we mean. <laughs> the one with the U in it. Speaking of you in it, whatever you got that slaps, flaps, or tickles, we'll get greasy with it. No massages. They have that as like, make that a firm point. That's Tugger's Cove on PCH. No massages. No uh, massages. That's an all happy ending spa. Uh, whenever we do a fan controlled fandom after dark, I will tell my story about going to a no massage <laughs> massage parlor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah in which i thought i was going to a massage parlor and it was not a massage parlor anyway uh our main topic of the week we are here it's oscar week it's 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 hollywood's brightest moment and uh there is a uh you know there are some fandom uh titles nominated more often than not we get you see nominees in the uh sound mixing sound design special effects this year we have um angela bassett is probably between her and Jamie Lee Curtis is potentially winning best supporting actress for um, Black Panther Wakanda Forever. But there is a movie nominated for best picture that came out around this time last year, everything, everywhere, all at once. That is uh, we've talked about on the before on this show. We thought, why not do a little rewatch recap of it when the Oscars. And so that's what we're doing. Alex, when did you see this film? You saw it on an airplane, right? I saw it on an airplane on my iPad, so it was a relatively large screen. The way um, the way that Daniels intended. Seriously, uh, I mean, and I, I, I am actually on review. Very glad that I watched it by myself at home for a rewatch. But I, I did watch it on a plane about six months ago, I'd say. Mm-hmm. And what was your initial thoughts when you saw it? I thought it was incredible. Yeah. I I mean I was so taken with its originality but it's so how how firmly planted it was visually and thematically in so many different genres and some of the more kind of like I I've always really enjoyed watching kung fu movies and even more specific kinds of kung fu movies like the kind of approach that Jackie Chan takes that it it really reflects and exalts it and then you know, it just switches from that to the more serious stuff and it handles all of it. I, I, I was really, really, I, I was excited to watch it from the very first trailer I saw. Um, and, and then, yeah, finally getting to see it was incredible. Now 
watching it again blew me away. Ooh, blew you away. I love it. Yeah. yeah I, I had a similar, so to me, I'm going to let you peek behind the curtain of um, my life. Uh, I am an AMC Stubbs member. That means I pay like 24 bucks a month to the AMC gods. And because of that uh, payment to the gods, I get to go see. Um, yeah. Hold on one second. Yeah. Come on in. Come on in, Dorian. Hold on one sec. All right. My wife is texting me. She can come grab her laptop. Come on in. I edit this. I can edit it all out. It's fine. It's okay. I got to come out in 15, 18 minutes anyway and jump on a call. Uh, and, where? In here? You can come in here. Yeah. We're going to have to stop and start. <laughs> all right. <laughs> She's got a meeting at four. <laughs> that I did not know. All right. Where was I? Okay. AMC subs member. And uh, so I... I got the Stubbs membership because I go to the movies and it's like 24 bucks a month and you can see three movies a month, three movies a week. I'm sorry. And so then you, so I was like, okay, if you go see like two movies, the thing pays for itself, you know? Yeah. And, but what I like about it is that I use it specifically to see the, whatever the big movies, the Ant-Man and the Wasps, the, the, the black Adams. And, um, but I also use it to try to check out things like that are maybe a smaller scale or different, or maybe in lesser theaters. Like I just watched the new Guy Ritchie movie over the weekend, Operation Fortune, which was fun. But I was looking and I had heard about this. And so every week I kind of look and see what's coming out. I heard of this movie. I watched the trailer. I was like, Michelle Yeoh, uh, produced by the uh, Russo brothers. I was like, I'm in. I saw this movie like a year ago in the movie theaters. Amazing. I'm very envious of you. Just had an absolute blast. And this movie... Like there are some movies that are nominated for best picture that are just like audience favorites, like your Top Gun Mavericks. I guess people like Avatar Way of the Water, which the people who listen to this podcast know that we are 100% not a fan of that, of that movie. Yeah. But this is a movie to me that ticks so many boxes of fandom. And that's, I put it in the show notes of like things we could, this movie hits on. But beyond that, it's a really great story in terms of just like it's this it's a simple family story, which is hard to believe when we got people fighting with hot dog hands. Yeah. But <laughs> but it's a simple family story. It's an immigrant story. It's a story that I yeah. think is like very true and prescient for a lot of people in this country who come from other countries. And um it's kind of like an allegory to that. But then all of that stuff aside, it's also just like consistently surprising. Like, oh my God, I cannot believe this is what we're doing. I cannot believe they made me like almost cry at the love affair between the two people with hot dog hands. Like it's yeah. like Jamie Lee Curtis and Michelle Yeoh who are a couple in that universe. I mean, it's just like, and the, the Ratatouille, the, the raccoon on his head. Like there are so many things that happen in that movie that when you first see them are just surprising and fun. And like, you never like, but then they somehow took all of those things, including an everything bagel black hole, essentially, and make it all not just work, but be like relevant and gripping and and powerful. And that to me is a sign of not just um, visual, inter- something that's visually interesting and gratifying, but is just like 
is more like a more fulfilling time at the movie theater. Yeah, I I I 100% agree and I think that there this spoke to me quite a bit um especially on rewatch that um there's I've always I've always really liked expressionistic painting mm-hmm. and this is for all the reasons that you said about these underlying themes of family and an immigrant story this is an expressionistic artwork about these pieces of the human experience and mm-hmm. and how how just cosmically infinitely deadly important even the smallest thing in one person's life feels to that person they blew it up on the screen at exact at exactly that dimension you know uh, and 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 that it spoke to me on that that expressionistic level and and it at every turn it feels like whatever it's trying to do like you said just like that visual and marrying it with like its thematic mastery it's doing exactly what it needs to be doing at every moment just the right amount you're yeah. getting like all the every performance is like that the performances can we talk about that for a second I, it's like, listed, it's listed in the show notes okay baby. let's we'll, talk about we'll get, we'll, no okay, let's I do mean, it let's just go there now man look we're free the, flowing bro we're everything we are literally everything everywhere all at once so let's just let's just go there the the comment that that some of the performances indirectly make about the quality of Asian Pacific Islander characters in movies through history. Uh, James, is it James Hong that he, you know, he, he gets to play the daughtery older man, bad, that he's, we've seen him play that quality of character so many times. And then he gets into the heavy and he get, you can be like, yeah, I, thank God somebody gave me a chance to do this once yeah. at least that I've seen. And, and Kei he Kwan, who Kwan. And I said, I hope I'm saying that the right way. Cause I had, didn't go back and check Ki, it, but Kihei Kwan, Kihei Kwan for him to go so capably from trying to hold it all together, frantic googly eye dad to matinee idol, simmer in the alley talking yes. to her like what a showcase from a guy who's just been resting all it's, for a couple of years i was just reading up about him for so for starters yes the fact that he can so skillfully play somebody who you when you learn that michelle yo very early on in the movie her character evelyn is wanting to file from a divorce from him and you get it. You're like, this guy's a wet blanket. This, why would she, but then to have, and then have him in mere minutes playing somebody that's like, oh no, I understand completely why you fell in love with this man. He's incredibly dashing and, and empathetic and the whole scope of what he pulls off. He was, uh, his story is so unbelievably fascinating. We were watching the SAG Awards last week and you know, as you, know, you and I are, are actors also in the Screen Actors Guild. And we hear all these people be like, oh, you know, I, I have, it's so thankful to be able to do this. And, you know, not everyone gets to do what we do. And so many people say that stuff. And Dorian and I as like actors are just like, and you and I probably the same way. It's like, well, not everyone gets to do this. Like, I would love to just like pop along to everything. I, I'm a SAG actor. I don't, I don't even get invited to this thing. But he got up there and said basically the same thing. That this man stopped acting and went into stunts 
he did stunts. He worked with Michelle Yeoh on something specifically, but he did a bunch of like stunt coordinating. He went to film school. And then after he saw Crazy Rich Asians, he was like, I feel like there are going to be more opportunities for Asian actors. And so I'm going to come out of retirement. I'm going to try to get back in the game. And he did a movie for Netflix called Finding Ohana. And then he got this movie. Like he literally had not acted since like 19, like Encino Man, I think in like 1997 or something. And that's just like unbelievable. And he's, he's straight up going to win. He's going to win an Academy Award on Sunday. Yeah. I, I mean, and deservedly Deservedly so. so. Yeah. There we go. I have to, I mean, I really, I, I mean, it may be the space that I'm at in my life right now. But it really it it might have been one of the most moving movies I've ever experienced, and this was on a rewatch. It, no, it yes. stirred things in me that yes. I, that, I mean, really just emotionally stirring. Yes, and I think that is one of the super strengths of this movie because we've kind of touched on it a little bit about um, this immigrant story, and I feel like this this when I the reason why I think this is a true immigrant story is because, you know. Michelle Yeoh and and Kihei Kwan's characters, we see them, you know, back in China and that they were, you know, fancy, sophisticated. She could have been a movie star had she stayed, that kind of thing. But they come to America and the only thing you can do is the best you can do in America is open a laundromat. And you've been in this country for 20 something years and you still don't understand the IRS because the IRS isn't there to help you. And like how many people come into this country, like who are doctors in their home countries and they come to this country and they're not even, they're they're and their, their degrees aren't even recognized and they can't, you know, and they have to work whatever job they can get. And like, that's, and the thing that's so interesting for this movie is that shows that the person who, not that it's saying this is the case, but the person you never know the people who you see that you that so many people want to look down on because they're immigrants, you don't know what their story is. And you don't know how rich their story is. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And this movie, to me, the success of it is the not just the like extreme visuals, the the fight scenes are just absolutely out of control, incredible. But the fact that it's like it's a segue into telling people, into like backhandedly telling people to be like, no, their story is your story. Like we, their story is our story. You know what I mean? Yeah. By definition, from the very beginning of the whole thing, I mean, it, the maybe the wisest thing that a bunch of white slave owners did when they codified all the laws of this land early on was to tacitly recognize their own semi-immigrant status by making it so that anybody coming here could become one of us and not saying that being an American was somehow walled off to people. Yeah. And it's like, it's the thing that I think makes this movie. And it's something that I hope, you know, there was something like there was a moment when in the SAG Awards when it won and uh, Kihei Kwan was like, and now look at all, you know, you know, so hard for us to get work and look at all these Asian actors here. But then in the back of my mind, I was like, yeah, but unfortunately it's just this one movie. Cause they couldn't, they couldn't cut to anybody. You know, they usually when it's like, Oh, when somebody wins, they want to cut to somebody who looks like them to be like, Oh, I wonder what they're thinking. You know what I mean? Cause that's all yeah. producers can think. There was no one for them to cut to because there were no other Asian people in the audience, except the girl who was in Babylon. Cause the only Asian people that were in the audience were in the one movie. 
So the challenge moving forward is to not just make the one, you know, like we are, there already is the one Asian movie. We got to make a bunch of them, which is, which I want to say, we talk about Michelle Yeoh. This is a career performance for her. This is like, Oh my God. It's, yeah. It's an unbelievable performance from her. Having the, the, the depth of her skill set tool belt, whatever, everything, just everything she that she's do. cultivated over her career and the chance to just show it off to the utmost at every turn, all the, you know, from, from summoning her, you know, Wing Chun knowledge through a profession of love to something really small, the moment between her and her daughter at the end about, you know, she says, you're, you're fat and you don't call me, you, you don't, you break plans and all that stuff. Like, the breadth that she has to bring to that movie and, and a breadth of talent that, you know, she, she's had to be called on for that. Cause she's one of the few uh, Asians we hire. Yeah, exactly. Like, you know, she's like, she's also in like the Witcher blood origins because it's like, she needs to work, you know, but she, she does. She, she in this movie brings, yeah, she, it's like her whole tool bag. She's like, all right, I'm doing Kung Fu. Great. I got it. I'm playing like an elegant, unbelievably just like dashing Hollywood bombshell. Done. I got to play uh, a mom. Yes. I got to play a daughter. I got to play a put upon wife. Like she just has everything. And this movie is so much about switching and jumping around. This is all about the, you know, this, the basic concept of the movie is that all the universes are existing it's the alpha verse and you can jump around in between universes and you can, you can take skills that one of your other versions of yourself has. And that's what they do throughout the movie to try to basically stop who is essentially her daughter, another version of her daughter from destroying the whole universe because she is everywhere. She exists in everything, everywhere, all at once. And like I was saying before, you know, the universe that she's going to destroy is the the infinitely deep relationship between a mother and a daughter, a parent and a yeah. child. And it's like, and that's, and that's all masked around the goofiest Gaga that we have seen in probably anything that has been, and that's the thing because it's original, they can push it. Like, wouldn't you have liked to have seen multiverse of madness bust out some like hot dog hand universe or something? Oh, of course. But, well, okay. I, I did want to bring this up that I talked uh, a week or two ago. About, oh, I think we were talking about the idea of bringing, bringing uh, Robert Downey Jr. back. And they said, it's never going to happen. And I'm like, well, what, for marketing and optics purposes, what you should say is, uh, um, it's it, well, you never know because the multiverse is infinite. If you're truly playing yeah. in the infinite, don't wall it off. And that they really did that here. Yes. The rock sequence, the the fight, the fight between the crayon scribbles, the fight between the pinatas that, that yeah. happen in success. You know, what is the the infinite? There are versions of these people who, you know, Rick and Morty sometimes dabbles in the same thing. And I think they're picking from the same tree that a lot of, you know, the multiverses and the zeitgeist, this idea that there is something else, simulation theory, multiverse have probabilities map out and stuff like that but that's such a they get to play with that as a visual that also goes back to expressing this very powerful theme 
Yeah, and it's like the it's they go they're able to go because they're not bogged down by any sort of like we need to make this movie as accessible to the largest audience possible like multiverse of madness or flashpoint will probably do the flash will probably do i you know they they can just be like no we're this is this is for anyone who's wondering whether they should watch this movie if you watched multiverse of madness and wish that it went farther this movie goes there yeah this is this is the movie that they're this is the movie that they've all been trying to make they've all been not allowed to make uh and I, I got the sense from watching it that it's going to inform a lot of stuff going forward and maybe not necessarily within the MCU, although that's possible. But I think this sort of blenderized, high octane visual style, I mean, I think people take the wrong lessons for it, apply it in the wrong places. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it'll be bullet time, you know, but yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, yeah, there's going to be we can talk about biting off this movie any second. Um, but but it's it that that proves how powerful it is. And you talk about you know they weren't they were allowed to not make something for the broadest audience and by making something so specific they made something that everybody has seen and is going to see and you know there's so many other things about this movie quick transition there guys you have no idea we just took like an hour and a half break from podcasting <laughs> yeah i i actually watched the entire movie again at 1.75 speed i know just to take just to get more notes just to cram it more in yeah no i had to take a call and um because you know uh, contrary to popular belief, podcasting does not pay the bills. So you got to make them get them work calls in. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Got to, uh, you know, pay the piper and steal from Peter. Yep, exactly. So I have a question I want to ask you. Um, there are so, me, baby. There are so many like unbelievably weird set pieces. We talked about The Rock. We talked The Rock, not Dwayne The Rock Johnson, the literal scene in between two rocks, uh, the googly eyes the crayons to me the like two best things in this movie are the raccoon atui which is like yes. based on the movie ratatouille there is a raccoon that is controlling a chef but it's this live action and at one point that it's helping the man run and then michelle i can't remember the, that that man gets on michelle yo's shoulders or she gets on his remind me well, at first she's uh, she's controlling him. That's right. And then he falters at that moment when everybody through the multiverse falters, yeah. and then he uh, he starts to control her. Yeah, and then it's he, it's just an amazing set piece. Versus the hot dog hands. What is the what is who wins in like craziest best thing in this movie? Oh, I, I think Rakuna Tui wins because Ooh, that's, I, feel that, I feel like that's an upset I, to me hot dog hands is the number one seed i think it's a fun they're both obviously fun I, it, to me raccoon atui is a better proof of the premise than uh hot dog hands is because raccoon atui is an infinity an, a, a, an infinity where the the mom's miss or, or Evelyn's misperception or misremembering of the real movie is an actual <laughs> reality. <laughs> That's because they they exist. Yeah, they're, yeah. they're like, are you talking about Ratatouille? So Ratatouille exists. She's misremembering it, but there is, of course, if there's an infinite amount of realities, there'd be one where her misconception or misremembering of 
Ratatouille would be the actual thing. Actual thing. That's good. You're right. There is kind of like a bigger payoff. Whereas like hot dog hands is like, just like, we want to like show how silly this, this premise of this movie posits, which is that there is in the alpha verse, there is an infinite number of possibilities. And in one of those possibilities, people have hot dogs for hands. And it was, and I have to say there is something about the hot dog hands that to me makes it the winner if we're doing like just a straight head to head and or hand to hand, if you will, in, in hot dog hand to hot dog hand combat, it wins. And it, to me, it's just because not just because of the absurdity of it. There's two things. One, there's something about when they are first kind of pointing them at each other <laughs> that it's like, and I think she has this in the movie too, where like, you kind of want to take a bite and it's weird because they're your hands. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I also, especially upon rewatching, I did get the impression that anatomically speaking, I think the hot dog hand people ejaculate out of their hot dog fingers. It did seem that that was kind of an implication there. Yes. They ejaculate nacho cheese, if I'm right. Yes. If I'm right, molten yes. or mustard. It's, I think it's unclear, mustard. viscous it's, and yellow. It's something comes out of the hot dog hands. Hey. And, yeah, and that definitely takes it into like a whoa level. BT does. My daughter is practicing her violin. So we may hear some of that in the background. Um, but the thing about the hot dog hands is why I feel like, <clears throat> gosh, I need like some, I'm parched. Why the hot dog hands, I think, to me, is the winner is because, good Lord, this movie wins you over. And this movie wins you over to the point where you, like, I legitimately cried watching Michelle Yeoh and Jamie Lee Curtis, who traditionally Jamie Lee Curtis's character, we haven't really even touched on. Jamie Lee Curtis's character is from the IRS and she's, but she shows up as like a bad guy kind of throughout the movie in different universes but in this one universe they are a couple and they have hot dog hands and they they somehow make you feel and it is right around the same time that the raccoonatui is going on as well they bring out a grounded level of emotion in something that is just absolutely ridiculous and, and that's and again like, that is the most ridiculous thing and the fact that it, to me it had a very fulfilling kind of like almost like a full arc is wow. Oh, it has a full arc because you go out there and do and explore that relationship all to come back to, well, if you have hot dogs for hands, you get really good with your feet. And then that imbues her with a skill in the moment. Like, yes, it, you know, I think, yeah, maybe you are, you know, maybe you're right. You know what? I'll take, I'll take it on this one. I, I lose you win. Uh, do you mind terribly? And I'm sorry, I have to go wash my hands. A dog <laughs> pooped in the living room and I picked it up and I, not barehanded, I happened to have a dog bag within broadcast's reach, but now I need to go wash my hands go. and throw out the poop. Go. All I right. love I, the, the stuff that we leave in this podcast is yeah. fantastic. As long as we take out the poop, I'll be right back. I don't know. I might leave it in. I might just talk through this whole thing here. I might just talk through this whole thing about dog poop. Do we get that solved? All right, uh, ladies and gentlemen, that is an official end to Poop Watch 2023. I know, uh, that is an all fair. We are code four on the poop. We made it. We made it, and we made it. Um, again, to I, to, tra- to transition, please. To, if I transition, you br- you brought something up. You brought something up. You, you know, getting getting teary. And I mean, like I, this movie gut punched me. 
uh, you know, uh, in in Way- Wayman's big rousing speech, where you know we have to be kind. Yes. And at the same time, they're switching back to that kind of that movie star reality, where he's telling her in the alley in just the. I mean, he's mustering so much, like big star charisma. It's almost as if. It's almost as if he would have been here anyway. That this is like, oh, hey, it's his, it's his latest movie, and and boy, is he proving that prowess that we've seen in him for his entire thirty-five year career. Yeah, he brings it all in that in those moments, and he talks about that kindness. You know, people mistake it for weakness, and Evelyn certainly does, but it's strategic and necessary. Yeah, the- and that is that you contrasting like the the man who is at the end of his reach and the other man who is so in control in a moment and really giving somebody the read. Um, and earning both of those moments at the same time as they are intercutting between one another. Um, that's boy, you, you don't, you don't find a picture like that in, in in a couple hundred. I I really, that is part of why it's like maybe just flat out one of my favorite movies of all time. I think maybe certainly, certainly one of the, one of the most raw emotional experiences I've ever had with a movie since like, you know, uh, Bambi's mom dying to piss my pants or whatever. Avatar, the way of water. I did get pretty horny at that movie <laughs> in a way that was like really, you know, weirdly centered in my emotional, you know, core. It wasn't lustful uh, at all, but you know, sort, sort, certainly needful. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> I, think- I, I, yeah, I, I, that, that, like, I always talk about stuff earning whatever it's trying to do, you know, as long as they can kind of, you know, the, the story and the performances and everything kind of coalesces into that way that it justifies whatever big reaches it does. You consider the, complete opposite ends of every spectrum like they 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 put every in terms of movie making they put every trick in the book on this on the screen and by the way the movie making book is another movie but um yeah, yeah the, you watch a movie to learn how to make uh, movies but it and it's all it all just works and i think it's I, it has to be because everything was so thought out and considered and coming from such like a creatively centered place. And like you said, you know, I think that you, 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 that comes from that kind of unfettered, Hey, just go for it. Do what you do. I mean, look, these are the guys that did Swiss army man where, yes, um, great movie. you know, one actor surfs on Harry Potter's dead body <laughs> with farts or whatever. Donald Gleason rides. Yeah. Harry Potter. I, I, so, you know, there's, this Tom is a, an enormous departure from what? Dom L. Gleason. I can't remember his character from uh, the, the sequel trilogy. Hux. General Hux rides, uh, General yeah. Hux rides Harry Potter. And he's, and he played both Weasley twins and boy, wasn't he a treat in that, in those roles. Um <laughs> He did like an army hammer kind of thing in social network. By by the way, army yeah. hammer, go suck an egg. But um Man, oh man. Boy, like uh boy did that privilege, that rich boy privilege catch up with him real quick. He used to he hold yeah. all that at an arm's length. Oh no, no, we're from a other part of the family. Really? You got the same appetites as uh Yeah, as everybody else. Billionaires. Yeah. Who would have thought that like Winklevoss was like the it was the closest thing? Like that was his first role, was like the most closest to who he was as a human being. He um, came in for the test and Fincher felt a shudder up his spine. He's like, I have encountered the true devil. <laughs> we have derailed a little bit. Um, no, I think like, obviously this is going to, this is a massive, this is a massive gushing podcast on this uh, 
title of this film. Yes, it's it's definitely one of my favorite films I've seen in a long time. It's my what I think should win best picture. It's what I think was the best picture of last year. And to speak a little bit more on the performances, and then I want to touch on some other stuff. But like, yeah, that particular talking about like all these performances every single actor every single lead actor is nominated for this film and deservedly so because their performances are constantly flipping in between different things sometimes in mid-sentence yeah and and they are trying to they are having to flip between different people but different parts and different intentions in such a way that is it is it's just it may, it's what makes the movie work. If that didn't work, it would just be a bunch of interesting visuals and some okay, um, you know, story. But it'd be a Tarsum movie. It'd be the cell. It'd be yeah. My dog like clawed the door to get in here, sat in for a minute, and then was like, "I want out." You know, I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you something. She heard what was going on? She was like, "What are you guys talking about here?" And then she heard what we were talking about, and she was like, "Oh." Pfft. I'm out. I think I think uh, I think Sagittarius went director Gatorade today, and it's really it's really fouling things up. It I is. think I saw that on the on a <laughs> good one. Um, uh, I, yeah, like the, like I, it really did strike me again. Like it was it was good to be able to. This is one of the first times I've been able to have like a first an almost first time watch experience, but also with the context to be able to enjoy the craft a little more yeah um that you usually get when you rewatch something but that first transition like you were saying the first transition into waymond prime like or uh, Al- uh, alpha waymond or whatever like alpha waymond the, the first time he makes that it, it is just like oh yeah this is this is what movie actors know how to do <laughs> the, yeah man and it's-, the, it's 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 more than just a actor performer thing he's like it's he's like the camera awareness yeah and the way that like this ties into like what we do as a podcast you know we're a fandom podcast we're talking about all this stuff and so much of the content that's been created lately is in this multiversal i mean the mcu is we are in we are in the multiverse saga and this movie and Flashpoint is going to be coming, or The Flash, which is going to be Flashpoint, is going to be coming out later this year, which is also multiversal. So, you know, the main, like, huge, huge IP is operating in this space, yet this movie is also operating within that space. So we have that thing that makes it part of what we do here on this show. It has the Kung Fu, the the Kung Fu, it has the, 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 the alliances to Hong Kong cinema, you know, Michelle Yeoh, her being in it is also like a illusion. She was nominated back in 2001 for Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Like she's, you know, the, all that's there. But it, in all of that, it is still wholly original. <laughs> it still yeah. approaches these these aspects. Like we wouldn't, we haven't seen performances like this in the MCU of being able to bounce around like this, you know, we had, you know, I mean, I feel like Jonathan Majors could pull it off. I was going to say, we're, I think we're about to. Yeah. Kang's talking to Kang's and whatnot, but like, so I mean, this leads to a question that I put in the show notes. Like what, what does this mean? If this movie doesn't win best picture, are we at a place where we can get original content like this? Or is the machine just so large that, we're we're gonna it's gonna be five or six years before we get another everything everywhere all at once. I no, I think I think we're I think we're approaching the kind of balance point with a lot of a lot of things in terms of how creativity flourishes in the 
Uber IP slash saturated platform kind of space. This is we're like we're in the future now. We're we're living it. What what things are going to be like media wise, and I think that the only hope they that they have. And I think you're, you you do see this, especially in the MCU, is to grab onto original people telling original stories and put them into your thing. But the only way you do that is by there being a flourishing market of original original material. That's yeah. that's all there is. It will. It, it's. It, I mean, creativity in a lot of ways, especially mass creativity, is. It, it it acts in a way that mimics genetics. That's why we have memetics, the meme. The gene is the meme, right? The gene so, is the meme. Wow, that's a fun one. Well, that's what I mean. The the term meme was coined to be the cultural equivalent of a gene to kind of account for how certain creative notions will flourish in a time and place, uh, and and bounce off their own iterations of themselves in the same way that a gene will express itself and flourish in different ways in organisms. Yeah. And that's I mean the multiverse idea is a meme. It's having its naturally selected moment. Whatever the the environment culturally was right for that idea to flourish in so many different pockets. Um and some of that feeds itself, but you know, it like oh they're doing it, we got to do it whatever. Um but you know, I really I I yeah, I I think that 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 will dictate the the need and the presence of original stuff like this. It'll just rise to the surface. It'll be like a big surprise every year that happens every year that we shouldn't be surprised by. You know, that's a great point. And I do think there has been some good stuff that's come out specifically. I mean, there have been some actual things that have been nominated that have won that I do think, but I do, you know, it just, I'm excited to see what the Daniels do next. Like, obviously I'm sure they've been offered like fill in the blank IP, like, yeah, you know, if you want to direct Secret Wars or whatever, which just fucking do that. Pardon my French. Oh, but, damn yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you know, um, it'll be interesting to see what comes of that. Let's do something a little different. I didn't put this in the show notes, and this just came to me. Oh, wait a minute. Hold on a minute. Hold on. A minute. Like, can I just give me give me a moment? You're gonna you're gonna just throw me a, a curveball here. It's not a huge curveball. Okay, so the Oscars are coming. Oh God. Okay. The Oscars okay. are coming up. It's on Sunday. And I want to run through the nominees and then we don't have to do like, we can maybe do what we think is going to win, but then based on what we read, let's talk about what this is up against and let's see if everything everywhere all at once has potential to win and what they could walk away with. All right. You ready? Okay. Yeah. Best picture. There are 10 nominees. There is women talking, which I thought was great. Triangle of sadness. Have not seen. Ooh. Uh, have you seen it? Yeah. Is not good or good? It's amazing. <laughs> okay, great. I mean, uh, okay, yeah, keep going. Great. Top Gun Maverick. I had very strong feelings about it. I did not like that movie. Fight me. Uh, Tar, which I absolutely loved. Feel free to chime in with your takes on these movies as well. Have you seen Tar? I have not seen Tar. Uh, uh, Triangle of Sadness is amazing. Top Gun is like, uh, yeah. Give uh, so we're going to give an Oscar because you saved the movies. Cool. <laughs> Don't get me started. 
that movie. The arc of that movie is, you know what? It's time for you to give it up. It's time for you to give it up. It's time for you to give it up. And then, the, and then it's just fuck it. You lead the mission. Like that's what that's what the movie is. Like I'm like, what is this? Like you set it up as if it's supposed yeah. to be like the passing of the torch, and then they just like everyone just gives up, and it's like, all right, you're so annoying. Just you lead the mission. Then that's basically what the movie is. Fight me. Um, yeah, no, you're you're right. And by the way, the, like you're you're not the you're not the kind of dad this appeals to, but it's a very dad thing. It's like, ah, god damn it, let me do it. You know, yeah, for sure. That's yeah. To me, I'm like, no, let the kid do it. Why do I want to put that much work into it? Anyway, the Fablemans, yeah. which I have seen. Oy. Yep. Uh, like El- the the Fablebergs. The Fablebergs. It should they should have just called it the Spielbergs. That was my. You're exactly right. I don't understand why we have to pretend that this isn't his his family. It kind of. I I really enjoyed it. I thought it was good. Thought they could have just called it the Spielbergs and just go all in. Um, Elvis, whatever. Not, we're not breaking new ground with that eh. movie. Avatar: Way of Water. We've made it very clear how we feel about that film. Boo. Uh, the Banshees of Inisherin. I really enjoyed. My wife hated. I that neither of those surprised me. Yeah, and then All Quiet in the Western Front, a movie which Deadline said today is going to win, which I am <laughs> wild. Anyway, and then Everything Everywhere All at Once. Um, I actually do think everything everyone at once has a very strong chance to win. Um, I do think they're at least in like the top three. Uh, and But it's my favorite pick for sure. It's the best of these that I've seen by a long shot. And that's, I mean, Banshees of Inisherin is a is an interesting movie that, you know, a lot of the people participating in the patriarchy should watch but won't understand. And uh, oh, yeah, that's a great uh, point. <laughs> And um, uh, yeah, Elvis is silly. Good for them. I, I haven't seen women talking. I, haven't seen, I enjoyed it. It's I haven't seen women talking, and I haven't seen All Quiet. But you know, we've we've trod this territory before. And and oh, I I meant to make the point. By the way, you talk about like genre and originality. It's in the same exact way that uh, Indiana Jones and Star Wars and Goonies, that kind, those kinds of things, The Matrix, all would have been, you know. If you look back at the archives, those are all projects we covered as they were premiering in the original time. You know, we we were recording then, and you can find our takes back then in oh, 1983. Yeah, we, uh, when those came oh out. my gosh, our pod, our full blown radio show because podcast didn't exist on uh, Empire Strikes Back is incredible. Yeah, um, we were on we were on KPXP. We were Gooder and the Nooch um, <laughs> doing. We were doing uh, five to six uh, a.m. Yeah. Um, so I do think they have a very strong, I, I, we've got to, we got to start banging through these. Um, they, I do think there's a strong chance they can win. I do. They have a strong chance they can win at this one too, which is best directing, which is Martin McDonough, Steven Spielberg for Fablemans, Martin McDonough for Banshees, Banshees of Inishirin, Todd Field for Tar and Ruben Ostland for Triangle of Sadness, plus the Daniels, Daniel Kwan and Daniel, uh, Scheinert, which we should say they're two guys named Daniel and they are called the Daniels. I love that. I do think they have a strong chance of winning. I do think they should win. Triangle of Sadness is you now. I haven't seen a couple. Of, I haven't seen Tar, but Triangle of Sadness we just kind of stumbled on, and it, it was incredible. It really is a terrific. And it's in, on my list of things. I in the watch. same in the same way that Everything Everywhere All at Once is is allegorical. This is allegorical, but not to the same kind of things. Yes, um, like and it, it, and it. The, yeah, yeah, it, it's. That those both of those categories to me are tough. I mean, I have in terms of picking what I think will win, what I think should win is another matter. I think it sweeps everything. 
Nice. Uh, best actress, we have Michelle Yeoh, who will be nominated here against Michelle Williams in The Fablemans. Uh, Anna de Armas in Blonde, which of oh my god, that movie is so bad. Um, she's great in it, but it is if the it's almost if the filmmaker hates Marilyn Monroe and wants everyone else to hate her too. It's so tough. It's such a tough watch. And uh, Kate Blanchett in Tar, who is absolutely wonderful, but I do think Michelle Yeoh does have a shot. She won the SAG Award. Um, Kate Blanchett won the Golden Globe, so it's tough to see who could win. But I do think Michelle Yeoh has a strong chance here as well. And I think also in terms of the PR and the optics, this is win-win for everything, everywhere, all at once. Because you know, you you spin it as the you know Oscars return to relevancy, or yeah, we we always knew Oscar was irrelevant if they lose. Yeah, um, for sure. Uh, Best actress, we have two nominees. We've got well, Angela Bassett in Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, Hong Chao in The Whale, who is the only good part of a terrible film. Uh, Carrie Condon and Banshee's Van Sheeran, who's wonderful. And then we have Jamie Lee Curtis in Everything Everywhere All at Once and Stephanie Sue, who plays uh, Joy in Everything All, Everywhere All at Once. Two great performances. Ooh. It's kind of sad that they're both in the same category. But yeah. It's great. I, there is a world where they cancel each other out and Angela Bassett wins, but Jamie Lee Curtis did win the SAG Award, so I do think there's a chance it could win here as well. I also think, though, that uh, Angela Bassett has, like, there's a there's a kind of a sentimental thing that might go into play for her in terms of the who I think might win. Because they didn't give it to freaking Chadwick Boseman the year that he was nominated for Ma Rainey's whatever thing, and they gave it to somebody. Ugh, anyway, but and, and, well, look, she's she's also batting in that league 100. Yeah. percent Deserves the nomination amongst them. Uh, sure, but but that's also I'm again trying to pick what I think might happen on on Sunday at at uh, at Christmas night for Hollywood or whatever they call it. The Super Bowl of um, Hollywood. Uh, the big show. Um, big show. The big B. Yeah. I, Okay, yeah, I, I, man, and to pick between those two, Stephanie Sue and Jamie Lee Curtis is hard. It is. Who do you, who do who do you give it to between them? Well, between them, I would give it to Stephanie Sue, but I, based on what I've seen going on, I think it's either Jamie Lee Curtis or Angela Bassett's going to win this award based on what has has happened in the in the ether. But it is going to definitely win. Ki Ki Hui. Kwan is definitely winning Best Actor in a Supporting Role. That's happening. I don't even need to read the nominees. It's happening. That's fine. yeah. That's that's polish it. Put put his name on it right now. It's that's and fun. and what are, and boy the acceptance speech that guy's going to give. I love it. Amazing, Alex. Is this is this Star Trek or Star Wars? Uh, this is it's everything everywhere all at once. <laughs> I love it. Yes, yeah. it's, it's Star Trek. It's Star Wars. It's everything. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, winners and losers. I don't think there's really any losers here except. Obviously, Sam's boat. We can get it out of the way. You yeah, know, it's yeah. A, it's, sorry, it's a freaking alpha verse, and and the Russo brothers produced this movie, so there's a connection there. You guys can like, hey, let me just call up, you know, my boy Mackie real quick to come in on Sam's boat. But I, I, I'd be willing to bet that there there is a cutting room floor somewhere with strips of film featuring a cameo by Sam Wilson's fishing boat. I just I like I like to hope so. If you've got if you've got hot dog hands and raccoonatui, Sam's boat could show up in this thing. So that's the only that's really the only thing that's wrong with this film. Uh, winner though, who's your big winner from Everything Ever All at Once? You know, in in more ways, in a, in a deeper way, uh, Kihei Kwan, because there's this weird sense of like. I feel proud for my friend, 
You know, his he has two like short round and data are two characters that I really like love. And I I don't know how necessarily well they have aged for people sensitive to how, you know, folks of Asian descent are depicted on film. Yeah. But to me, my appreciation was like round more problematic than uh, data, I think. But still, yes, very to me, they're they're both they're both like sweet ass ass kickers with a sense of humor. Like Mm -hmm. they're they're funny people. They, they'll, they'll like cut you down in more ways than one and 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 yeah i was i remember being a little kid and like oh they're me here like short rounds me in this situation running around and you know um and like to see him now getting all this attention for and well deserved for like the dream project of all time is like yeah yeah that, like I, pr- I feel like pr- yeah proud of my friend I think that's how every, it feels. Everyone kind of wins. Michelle Yeoh, this is great. Jamie Lee Curtis, this is a great role for. It's great. Everyone's. But I'm gonna say the big winner is definitely hot dogs. Um, Alex. Oh, <laughs> I've eaten so many since we started recording. I've eaten so many. Um, Alex, do we have another ad read from the uh, massage? I'm sorry, non only happy endings massage. <laughs> yeah, it's an all happy ending spa. It's called Tugger, Tugger's Cove on PCH. Um, <laughs> they they want you to come in. And you know they mean with a U. Uh, with a U. Uh, it's the it's the slippiest slap shack you ever did see. We only close one hour a day to mop, and then you know where we put the mop? Tugger's Cove. <laughs> no massages, you touch freaks. Oh my goodness! Oh wow, that's that's yeah. tough. All right, it's game yeah. time. You ready for this? You ready for the game? Let's do it. Let's hit me with the game, baby. This is an Oscar themed name game. Jeez, oh, Oscar. Oh, here we game. are. Here we go. This is what happens. Is like an hour Take and a two. half off off of doing a podcast in the middle of it. Uh, this game is called "Was This Movie Nominated?" It's simple. I'm going to name a movie, and you have to tell me if it was nominated for an Oscar or not. Okay, you ready? Here we go. Okay. Snow White and the Huntsman. Yes. Yes, it was the Kristen Stewart, uh, Chris Hemsworth. 40- Wait, can I can I guess? Can I guess? What? No, 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 no. It's in it's in my answer. Hold on, don't worry. Okay. Forty nine percent on Rotten Tomatoes, and one critic said this could have been a unique spin on a classic, full of visual stunts that enhance the story. Unfortunately, that's not the case. This film was nominated for Best Visual Effects in twenty thirteen and lost to Life of Pi. Is that what you're going to guess? Ooh. I I was gonna guess sound editing, but let's let's go. Yeah, I, I'll let you I'll let you know what it was nominated for in the uh, okay. When I do it if 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 it was if. nominated. Okay, you ready? If okay, click the Adam Sandler movie Click. No. Yes, it was. Oh my god! Thirty four percent on Rotten Tomatoes, and one critic said there are more farts and embarrassing sex jokes than laughs. Far more. <laughs> Ooh, the twist film, the dagger. The film was nominated for Best Makeup and lost to Pan's Labyrinth. And yeah, that's a, you take that one. You take that L. All right, you ready? What hit me? The Kevin Bacon movie Hollow Man, in which he plays yes. an invisible man. Yes, it was. Yes, 26% on Rotten Tomatoes. And one critic said, the real, the real invisible man here is Paul Verhoeven, whose talent can barely be seen in Hollow Man. Ooh, the film, there you go. The film was nominated for Best Visual Effects and lost to Gladiator. Keep keep trying to get that first statue anyone made for a critic, that guy. <laughs> All right, you ready for the next one? Hit me. Let's do it. Number four, Police Academy 3, back in training. No. No, it's not. That was my okay. trick there. But did you know uh, did you know that they made a Police Academy cartoon? 
I used to watch it. Oh my god, so did I. Look at it. Was us. On, it was on. It was on NBC, right? Channel Four. I don't know. I watched it though. I watched that hell cartoon. Yeah. Hell, watched yeah. the hell out of that Bobcat. A cab though. Um, are you ready for this next one? <laughs> but not the Academy, dude. I mean, like, like what? Like one of the dudes does sound effects. Like yeah, he's not gonna kill anybody. Yes. Yeah. Anyway. All right. Number <laughs> Go for f- it. Number five. Final one. All right. The Eddie Murphy movie Norbit. Yes, it was nominated yes, for it Best was. Makeup. Yes, it was. 9% on Rotten Tomatoes. Oof. And one critic said, three Eddie Murphys is three too many. Oh. Film was nominated for Best Makeup and lost to La Vie and Rose. And that, my friend, was, was this movie nominated? You could have called it Oscars Myers for Fingers. hey Um, Before we get to our Hoopla recommendations, Alex, we got another read from the Tug Only. Tugs, Tugs, yeah, it's, Tugs. It's Tuggers. Well, they're they're all, they anybody can get whatever they've got flipped and slapped. They said that. They get greasy on everything at Tuggers Cove. It's the all happy ending spots on PCH. <laughs> is that They say, look, our motto is don't judge it, smudge it. But if you want to get touched in a therapeutic way and then not blast hard, that's your bag, freak. Tugger's Cove, no massages. <laughs> you know, before we went on the air today, Alex was like, have we done the sponsor where it's like a, like a tug place? I'm like, I don't think so, but let's, let's do it. And we definitely have not done this one before. No, no, because it's Tugger's Cove. It just opened. <laughs> Tugger's Cove. Holy cow. All right. Uh, before we get out of here, uh, I don't know if I'm going to be able to recover from, t- from Tugger's Cove. I'm literally, from going or from talking about it. Um, no, they, they specifically, you cannot recover there. You got to do that in the car in the parking lot. <laughs> oh, my God. All right. So Hoopla is where you can use your library card, put it in the app, your computer, and you can download and look at and read all kinds of the comic-y books, comic books, and whatnot. Um, Alex, do you have a Hoopla recommendation for the fans? I'm going to say this. If you haven't, uh, go whatever medium it's available in, consume Animal Farm. It's a quick read. Ooh. And then and then watch uh, Triangle of Sadness. Yeah, I think it's available on Amazon. Uh, so, yeah. yeah. I think it's on HBO it's, Max, um, actually. Oh, no, it's on Peacock. You can watch it on Peacock. There is, there, there is a fair amount of really detailed special effects work that goes into depicting certain digestive functions that is in like, like that alone should be lifetime achievement, special effects, I can't Oscar worthy. I can't wait to see it. Uh, my recommendation is going to be, and I had it in my head and then it left my head. Uh, we talked about it last week. Uh, I do want to bring up, uh, it's war of the bounty hunters. It is, it is. I looked it up, Alex. It is war of the bounty hunters and it is, it is, if it's not on Hoopla, find it. It's really cool. Uh, I teased it last week um, after um, Han gets encased in carbonite and Boba Fett takes him away. He gets stolen from Boba Fett. And then Kira from uh, Amelia Clark, uh, you know, Khaleesi from Game of Thrones, uh, her character from Solo offers him up to the highest bidding. And it's it's pretty great. I would check it out. Um, oh, your mic's off. Second that. I second that. Um, Alex, what did your dog think? Your dogs, plural, think of everywhere, everything all at once. I'm going to get really honest with you and vulnerable with not only you, but uh, you, Kenny, my my dear friend and co-hosting partner, but the listening audience and say that this movie made me cry so hard that my dog, Millie, looked at me like, you okay, bro? (laughs) 
I love that. Um, I saw this. I saw this movie in the theater, and so my dog was at home, so she is was oblivious to what anything that was going on. So I'm going to say that she, like all things, we have yet to find something that has been able to get her out of the room. In fact, she was in the room here. Heard we were talking about it as you heard earlier, and then was like, "Get me out of here." So we're still trying to find uh, something that she wants to watch. I think she was like, "Spoilers, spoilers." Maybe, me... maybe I haven't seen it yet. So she don't... thought we were covering Mandalorian, which I haven't watched. Don't say anything. I haven't watched it either yet. We're gonna watch it tonight, baby. Next week we'll be talking about Mando's episode two and three. We were talking about everything, ever all at once. Here, Alex, where can the people find you, but not find you? Duke underscore midnight on just about any platform. Do not attempt to engage with me i will call the police perfect i'm kenny g stevenson on twitch tiktok letterboxd hit we've been talking about movies i, I get all up on the movies on letterboxd uh, and i'm kenny g gets on them kenny g donut king on instagram alex what a pleasure thanks for being flexible with my work and and whatnot you are a champion and uh, uh a great person you are a Jedi and a hot dog fingered rapscallion. I love it. I love hot dogs. Let's go. Let's just go. Let's just go eat some hot dogs now. I'm gonna go choke a choke a couple Oscar Myers down, baby. <laughs> oh no! <Ew. laughs> bye, everybody. <laughs> bye, bye. <laughs> <laughs>